We got a lot of upset Maple Leaf fans for any watching this show. We got a lot of upset Edmonton Oilers fans for any of you watching the show. Uh, a lot of New Jersey Devils fans also very upset. And the hockey world probably upset at the Chicago Blackhawks because they lucked themselves into another superstar based on a freaking lottery. And if you're an Avs fan, you're very upset because you have lost your captain for all of next season. And we explain why in episode 364 of the Lace Mob Podcast, which starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Let's talk about, once again, how many fans think the NHL lottery is rigged. Well, <laughs> I will get into that. But first, uh, you, if you said that uh, fans are going to be watching this uh, <laughs> show. Oh, did I? Okay, well, spoiler alert, it's... Uh, 9 a.m. when we're recording this, and I've been up for half an hour, so Fair. I'm still I, asleep. I am, I am also, I also just woke up as well, but it was, it was like, I was at least alert enough to realize, like, wait, did you just say watching this show? It's like, uh, I don't know, I feel like I should mention Should we that. invest in a webcam? Let us know in the comments below. <laughs> um... Anyways, Anyways, if you're yes. listening to this show, you probably, and yeah, you're, you're, you're a fan of the least Bills or Oilers, you're probably sad. Yeah, but yes, this is also the, I think this is, this is definitely the earliest we've ever recorded, so. Uh, definitely in a while, yeah. <laughs> definitely in a while. Which is funny, because we've been doing this for like seven or eight years now, so it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, going on... Uh, it started September 2015, so yeah. coming up on eight years now, yeah. Wow. Um, anyways. Uh, we were around uh, just after Connor McDavid uh, won, yep. was uh, that's, the winner of the draft lottery. Or that's the a, good, Oilers that's a good segue, because... Um, yeah, oh man, we're pros at these, let's go. Yeah, let's go, let's do it. Um, yeah, the it's a good segue, because, uh, yeah, there was uh, the... The closest or the most hyped prospect since Connor McDavid, um, his lottery was uh, announced to, uh, today or, or this this week, um, and that's you know and I actually called this unfortunately uh, last week we 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 uh, you asked me who we thought was going to win the lottery and I said Chicago. Um, and you said Detroit, um, and uh, the reason why I thought it was Chicago was because when I was thinking back, there's been like two generational talents before this, um, and each time, each team that has won, the Penguins and the Oilers, um, those teams did not deserve <laughs> to win the lottery either, and I just knew that uh, the hockey gods love doing this type of stuff and unfortunately i was right again um that uh yes chicago they don't deserve it uh if you discount the fact that they covered up a sexual assault case in kyle beach even still they don't really deserve winning this lottery uh considering the fact that they've won three cups 
2013, and 2015. Um, and, um, and they also, like, traded pretty much all their good players, all their key players, um, and, uh, this, this past off season. Um, yeah, and they look geniuses now because it all yeah. worked out, but it couldn't, but it did. Yeah. They traded all those guys. Um, and in order to tank this season and the next couple of years, um, it's funny too. Cause I just remember when they did trade those guys, I was just, there was like the GM Kyle Davidson, was saying how, yeah, the Chicago Blackhawks are, it's just a five-year plan. It's like, yes, it was tough to, like, you know, we, they probably could have gotten more for any of those guys that they traded. Some of them, like Dylan Strom and Dominique Kubelik, they didn't even trade. They just dropped. Um, yeah, they let them walk, yeah. Yeah, they let them walk. They didn't even so, get a seven for them. So, from that standpoint, it's like, okay, like, <laughs> this, this franchise... Um, like covered up Kyle, the Kyle Beach situation. They um they also won three Stanley Cups. They're the closest thing to a dynasty in the post lockout era. I mean, I guess maybe the Lightning and the Penguins are because they won back to back, but uh, but they haven't won three in a row. Um, and um. And then, yeah, and then you have this situation where they're, like, they basically were trying to lose all season uh, this year. Um, and so it's like, okay, this when you look at all the teams that were in it, it's like, yes, Anaheim was also trying to lose. Montreal was also trying to lose. There was a lot of tanking teams this year. Um, Arizona. Arizona, yeah. Columbus started to, but, uh, well, like, they were trying to win, but then they had all these injuries, so I kind of don't count Columbus as a tanking team, but um, I guess eventually they were. Um, so, uh, so it's like, like, from that angle, it's like, yeah, there were a lot of tanking teams, but then on the other hand, you're like, okay, like, they... Um, when you look at their cap friendly page, they only have, uh, all their forwards are either free agents this year or free agents next year. Um, and, uh, they also have this guy named Lucas Reichel, who, uh, has been dominating the AHL for la for the last, like, two years, um, in their system, um, they have uh, Kevin Korczynski, who's been doing pretty well as a defenseman. He was their draft pick last year. Um, they have Drew Camesso, who they just assigned um, as a goaltender. Um, they have some, you know, uh, they have Frank Nieser, who they also uh, drafted last year as well. Uh, so they have some decent prospects now, obviously, um, when they add Connor Bedard. So it's like it now it's starting to remind me of the Chicago, uh, not the Chicago, uh, the Edmonton Oilers back when they had Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, or even when uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs when they had uh, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and William Nylander all in th three years in a row, um, and they were all rookies at the same time. So, um, so from that sense, it's like okay, so. Chicago is in good hands at the moment in terms of prospects. 
Um, they also have like Seth Jones, who could be the veteran presence for them. And then pretty much everyone else on the roster, um, they can either trade or figure some something out um, and see how what they have in those guys. But um, but yeah, considering that Kyle Davidson said that it was a five year plan at the time, it's probably now a three year plan um, instead of a five year plan. So um, yeah, uh, what what do you think about this uh, Chicago Blackhawks winning the the draft lottery? Uh, well, they're very lucky, and I hope they know that. Uh, that game against the Penguins uh, mm-hmm. that essentially ruined the Penguins' playoff chances. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually hurt their draft lottery odds significantly, and they still won. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Um, in terms of the organization, screw the organization. They don't deserve anything nice for your, close to an attorney, mm-hmm. um, especially the owner. But for the players and for the fans, I am happy for them because there were times last year where Chicago was doing all the right things and they were going on a couple of significant winning streaks and obviously they would start to lose again after that. But um, Luke Richardson, I think, did as good a job as anyone could have hoped for in that situation. How you get players motivated to come to the rink every single day when you've traded all those young pieces or let some of those young pieces walk for nothing and then know, okay, Kane and Taves at some point are probably not coming back into this locker room and we have to find a way to win games somehow. This was not a pretty place to be in and he made the most of it. And for Connor Bedard going into this type of situation where you've had all this losing for the last three, four, five seasons, a fan base that has completely tuned out this team for the majority of it, especially after the Kyle Beach stuff, and then expect to just turn things around on a dime and like, oh, we're winning again. Like, that's a lot of pressure to put on a 17-year-old who's not going to turn 18 until weeks after he's drafted. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that is a lot put on a young kid's shoulders and you yeah. need a good mentor and Luke Richardson I think is a very good mentor for that kid and I think in that sense um, it's it's a good situation for Honor Bedard. The other thing that you mentioned to me through email and I think it's a very good point is that the Chicago Blackhawks have a lot of cap space um, but they can use that cap space to build around Connor Bedard because um, and granted, they could have used some of those players, but if you keep some of those players that you let walk for nothing on your roster, are you even this bad right. to win the draft lottery? I don't think you are. So from that sense, I could I could definitely see why they did that. I didn't like it, but I could see why they were doing it. But it all ended around if they got lucky enough to, to win yeah. the first overall pick. And fortunately, it, it worked out in their favor. Um, so now you have all this cap space to build around Connor Bedard. You have this draft capital that's slowly piling up. But if you take a look at the Chicago Blackhawks and their draft picks at the moment, um, they have a lot of first-round picks thanks to the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, and the trades that uh, they made with them. Uh, 2023, they have a first from Tampa Bay as well as their original first overall pick. 
Then they have um, a conditional first from Tampa in 2024 and 2025. Or, sorry, no, a conditional first from Tampa in 2024 and a conditional first from Toronto in 2025, um, along with their original first. They have four seconds this year. Uh, their own, one from the Rangers, thank you, Patrick Kane, one from the Ottawa Senators, that was an add-on from the Kia Zites of Trade, and uh, one from Tampa Bay. Uh, they have two seconds next year, their own and Vancouver's. They have a, 2020, they have t- a pair of 2025 second-round selections, their own and Washington's. They have two-thirds in 2023 and 2024. So they're starting to stockpile these picks. But you look at the picks that Ottawa was stockpiling and that Montreal was stockpiling uh, not too long ago and that Arizona is stockpiling now. I still think it's a five-year process because you literally have one guy in a very tough division that's probably going to get eaten alive. You're probably going to have to get a guy like Ryan Reeves or Austin Watson or Scott Sabarin just to kind of protect this kid and make sure – you know, big guys like S.L. Lindell and Josh Manson don't just yep. torture him every single time they step in, they, they cross paths, right? So this is a team that's probably still going to be bad for a while. Their defense is a major work in progress. They have to solidify their top six, their offense around Connor Bedard. It's not going to take three years. It's going to take five. But having Connor Bedard... You don't have to worry about luring free agents to Chicago anymore because mm-hmm. this guy sells the franchise itself already. Like, look at the amount of millions of dollars in season tickets that the Blackhawks have raised after they got the draft lottery. That's less than a week ago, actually, exactly a week ago now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's insane. Millions and millions of dollars from fans that were just giving up on this franchise and all of a sudden are just scrambling back to their seats. It's already made a massive difference because you don't pass up on a guy like Connor Bedard. Everyone knows who's going first overall this year. And when you look at this uh, and how this kid carries himself uh, and the sheer talent that's on display when he's torturing other teams with his play, the Chicago Blackhawks are very, very lucky to have this kid and they better not waste them. Um, I don't know if it's, I, I, I know what you're saying that, yeah, he is, Still the only good player on the team, but I, I still, I, I think they, they could be good in three years. It's not a five-year plan anymore. Um, uh, also, like uh, Lucas Reichel, I do want to mention him in the AHL. He has fifty-one points in fifty-five games, and then when he went into yeah. the NHL, um, he was too good for Chicago, uh, where they were just like, okay, we we can't right. we can't start winning games because we have Lucas Reichel on here. He had 15 points in 23 games, and um, and they were like, you know what, you're too good. We're gonna send you back to the AHL so that you can dominate the AHL again, um, and uh, and then and that's what he did. But uh, but yeah, he he's he's gonna be another player that they have in Chicago as well. Um, and also like Seth Jones, uh, I know that he's paid, he's, he's overpaid and all that stuff, but Seth Jones is like still a very good defenseman. Um, and, uh, he can be your, your, like your guy. Cause he knows what it's like to be in the NHL, to be on a winning team and to be on a losing team. 
um, and he has enough experience to like kind of coach uh, or let all these like players know of like what it is what what it's like to be on a winning team. Um, although of course he never won the cup, but he's you know he was on those Blue Jacket teams that were decent enough to be in the playoffs and make a, a deep run. Um, but uh, so so you have that. You also have Tyler Johnson who was on those early Tampa Bay teams. Um, so you have some experience. I do wonder though if they get like a Ryan O'Reilly type or uh, someone of of that elk uh, who has even more experience than those guys um, on on their roster just from like an experience standpoint. Um, and yeah, I guess they're they're, in, they're instantly a, a more interesting team now. Um, I yeah, of course. Like, do I wish that they went uh, that Bedard was drafted on the Ducks, or do I wish that he was drafted on the Blue Jackets? Um, yes, I do. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like okay, they they have like a whole sandbox here um, <laughs> for for Chicago that they can play around with, and and like what ended up happening with Edmonton was. Once they got Connor Bedard, all of a sudden, all these other players wanted to to join this this guy. So um, so eventually, they they will get some free agents out of this. Um, and you know, it's not like and you know, it's not like a guarantee that Connor Bedard is going to be great. It's not a guarantee that Lucas Reichel or uh, Kevin Kurczynski or Drew Camesso or any of their prospects are going to be good, uh, but like you're you're working at something and and that's you know that that's kind of like it's like oh, okay they're they're not in a bad place from that standpoint just you know you wish that the franchise um uh was penalized even more for the Kyle Beach stuff um because it's like there was that there was a comment I, internet comment that I was reading that like the Arizona Coyotes uh, like asked, like uh, like reached uh, a combat a scout, scouting compound, and they lo- lost a first round pick. But the Chicago Blackhawks, who yep. covered up a sexual assault case, they nothing really happened. I mean, yes, they lost their general manager, and the coach at the time lost his job. Who was they didn't lose any picks. They were fined yeah. like two million, which is but a they, drop in the bucket for yeah, the yeah. Words family, right? Right, right. And yeah, the the Words didn't lose their their organization and all that stuff. So, yep. um, so yeah, there's there's nothing like that. That's also kind of why I like I know that there's been talk that this this lottery is rigged, but and like the fact that yes, the original six teams like the NHL wants those franchises to do well. But on the other hand, it's like, why? Why would the NHL want this to come to light? Like they, they probably they don't want people talking about this Kyle Beach situation at all. So the fact that they they planned on uh, like if this was rigged, it's like why would they do that? If it like if there was any chance for the NHL to rig it, they would rig it for Arizona because they've been trying to keep Arizona in Arizona or the Coyotes in Arizona for forever. Uh, so that <laughs> that would be the only reason where I could maybe see why the NHL would rig it. But like 
they definitely don't want Chicago getting Connor Bedard because they don't want anyone talking about the fact that uh, the biggest a scandal or the biggest like mishap ever has happened in this organization, and they don't want to draw attention to that. Uh, so, so that part, I, I don't really understand why they do that. And, I, I think yeah. it's a green room in the back that yeah. the NHL has these lotteries and they have media people, but the media people aren't supposed to like leak the information, but like, yeah. it's like, it's in plain view. Um, so the actual lotteries, I don't think are rigged, but they just happen to favor the teams that at the time we yeah. think anyone, but this team and that team ends up. Yeah. But why would the NHL want that? <laughs> yeah. That if yeah. good luck getting Gary Bettman to answer an, an yeah. honest question like that. But anyway, um, the, the good news it's, about Connor Bedard so in Chicago is you're going to get pretty good matchups. See, Connor Bedard versus Nathan McKinnon, Connor Bedard versus Jason Robertson. Yeah, those those matchups are going to sell themselves in a couple of years. Yeah, um, and also I I do want to mention that by the when Edmonton won the draft lottery. We were kind of saying, I mean, obviously they didn't have a sex scandal or anything like that, but... Um, yeah, they were just incompetent. Yeah, they were just incompetent, and we were, like, frustrated with that. Same with uh, Sidney Crosby. Um, when I mean, of course, there was the lockout and stuff, but the Penguins were almost bankrupt um, before yeah. Sidney Crosby was, uh, was drafted on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, they almost relocated to Kansas City uh, to the point where, like, Mario Lemieux had to, like, own a part of the team in order to keep it in Pittsburgh. So, uh, Mario Lemieux has beat yeah. that team multiple times. It's yeah. insane. So, so if any, any lottery that was rigged, it would definitely be that one, the Sidney Crosby one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. The other thing I do want to mention is um, if Connor Bedard is like the the closest thing to Connor McDavid um I feel like Connor one of them has to change their first name I just I just can't do this where it's like they both have the same first name uh like <laughs> I don't know we're gonna have to do like Bedard you have and to McDavid. Bostonize one of their names Connor Bedard Ghana, yeah Ghana and Connor <laughs> but then yeah yeah, or I guess I guess inevitably we'll just call them by their last name, but um, yeah. But uh, it's still it's just like I guess that's how you like if you want to make it in the NHL and be really good, call it call your first uh, your kid Connor. Um, and, and also, um, uh, one of the TSN guys asked. Connor Bedard, who his favorite player was currently yeah. in the league, and he said Tyler Mott, which is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think I've mentioned that before to you. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's like a Vancouver person, so... Um, yeah, but even yeah. then, I thought he would say, like, the Sedin twins. Right, 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 right. Yeah, very crazy. Or Peterson. Um, he, did, he did mention that he loves uh, Sidney Crosby, though, so... But, like, everyone in Canada yeah. loves Sidney Crosby, so... Everyone does. Yeah. yeah. Um... Okay, and also I do want to mention that even though Anaheim lost out on Connor Bedard, um, Adam Fintilli, he's going to be pretty good for Anaheim. Um, and it's like, yeah, you have, now you all of a sudden you have Trevor Zegris, Adam Fintilli, and Mason McTavish. You also have 
the Ducks, I, I don't think we've mentioned this on the show. I've mentioned to you this uh, through email, Steve, but uh, the Ducks um, in the WHL, the uh, OHL, and the QMJHL, the Ducks had three defensive prospects, all named the top defensive prospects. Uh, Olin Zellweger, uh, Tristan Lunau, and uh, Pavel Min- Minchikov. Um, and they... Uh, those are all the three defensemen for Anaheim, um, and uh, and yeah, they they had the most. Not only that, they all won the defensive year in their respective leagues, but they also had the most points um, ever for a defenseman in those leagues as well in the history of those leagues. Uh, so uh, not bad for a team that uh, lost out on um, well, Connor Bedard but also on a team that lost out on Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson, Brandon Montour, uh, a few other defensemen, Shea Theodore. And they still have Jamie yeah. Drysdale as well. Jamie Drysdale as well. pretty much all the season too, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They also have Jackson Lacombe, um, who's uh, yeah. who's a, pro- a defensive prospect who's going to be pretty good. Drew Hellison too. Drew Hellison's another one, yeah. Um, so they uh, – so they, <laughs> they're – they're doing well for the defensive side of things. And then their offensive side of things, yeah, you add Adam Fantilli to the mix of Trevor Zegris, um, and Mason McTavish, Troy Terry as well. Yeah. Um, they're they're going to be pretty good too. Um, and, you know, it's, it was funny because we, uh, when you had mentioned that, like, oh, Connor Bedard, because originally you were, you were telling me how, like, oh, the Blackhawks are going to have trouble signing Connor Bedard. And I was just thinking, like, no, they're, definitely not that's like the only thing they have going for them uh but uh for anaheim they um they now have some interesting an interesting offseason because yes of course you're gonna they're gonna draft adam fantilli but you have trevor zegris as a free as a restricted free agent you have uh troy terry as a restricted free agent and um and yeah, you don't have a ton. Of, I mean, I guess they have thirteen million in cap space, but um, but then it's like uh, they just have like a lot of guys uh, like Ryan Strom for four more years, um, Cam Fowler for f- uh, three more years. I, I guess they're they're in decent shape, but it's like um, I don't know. It's just like uh, it seems like their their cap situation is going to be kind of crazy. Oh, uh, John Gibson for four more years. So um, I do wonder what ends up happening with with the Anaheim Ducks. But um, I do look forward... If John Gibson wants out, that'll make things even more spicy. The good news in terms of cap, Dmitry Kulikov and John Klingberg retain salary. Mm -hmm. That goes away. And also the Corey Perry buyout ends after the season, too. So they don't have to worry about that. I am curious what happens with... um, I mean... Yeah, I am curious about what happens with John Gibson, but I, w- I was just going to say that, like, just adding Adam Fantilli to the mix is it's pretty good, so. Um, uh, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of money managing, but uh, yeah. they'll they'll find ways. And I would imagine Jamie Drysdale is also a restricted free agent, yeah. considering yeah. he missed the entirety of this season. I don't think it's going to take an abundance of money to yeah. keep him as it would Troy Terry and Trevor Zee. Right, right, right. At the moment. So, he'll probably sign like a two or three year bridge and then get paid later. Yeah, so. yeah. 
Uh, Columbus at third. I, I feel like after one and two, it's like the, the draft is wide open. Uh, yeah. But uh, there is uh, Matt V. Mitchkoff. Uh, the thing with him is is that he signed with a KHL team till like 2026. Um, but he's been hyped as much as Connor Retard has been. Uh, so it's like, it's just a long wait uh, for him. So a lot of teams might not want to wait that long um, if you're a GM there, which I can understand. Um, and then there's also Leo Leo Carlson, who had a great World Juniors. He's also He also had a great season as well. Um, and then there's uh, Will Smith, believe it or not. Yes, there is a Will Smith now um, going to be drafted in the NHL. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's a, a US NDP. Um, he, his stats are actually comparable to Jack Hughes. So those five are going to be like, um, are like the five, like tier above everyone else. So if you can get one of those five for Columbus, it's like, yeah, you don't have Fantilli, you don't have Bedard, but if you're Columbus getting one of those other three players, it's like, yeah, it's not bad either. Um, yeah, so on loan to uh, HK Sochi, by the way, in the KHL, um, yeah. you, we all know how hard it is for a young guy, especially Matt Faye's age, mm-hmm. to just tear it up. And he had 20 points, 9 goals in 27 games, which for his age is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're wondering if the hype around Mechkov is real, uh, it very easily could be. Yep. And it could be a Kaprizov situation where a couple of years of seasoning in the AHL, he's already a superstar. He goes into the NHL and absolutely tears it up. I'm interested to see who is going to wait on that. If it could be a team like, I feel like this is such an Arizona pick if he's there at six. But um, I'm interested to see if Columbus goes that route or if they take uh, a more sure thing for right now in uh, Leo Carlson or, or Will Smith. So, yep. um, yeah, uh, I, where, where everything goes uh, from number three onwards is going to be pretty fun. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, I feel like Montreal is going to take him, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what? That, that could be a Montreal pick as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we go, we move on. I mean, we'll talk about more draft stuff as it happens, of course. Um, Landeskog, Gabriel Landeskog, the captain of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, he missed all of this year, um, and yep. he's expected to miss the entire next season, the 2023-2024 season. Um, he's undergoing a cartilage transplant in his right knee. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's not great. Um, and, yeah, so he's out another year. This is a guy who, even when he was playing in the in the NHL, he he never made a full NHL season, or he never um, played in uh, all eighty two games. Um, uh, obviously, he's very very good, but uh, but yeah, he's he's never like he's always had this injury risk and things, and he's only thirty years old, which is um, pretty crazy. So. He's still he's still young in a, a human way uh, in the human years, but in like hockey player years, he's getting there in terms of age. But um, but yeah, it's it's now at the point of like okay, missing one season that's 
that's bad, but you know, you can you can overcome that. But missing two years, eh, it's it's a little tough, of course. And even with that, Mark Mathot uh, went on Twitter saying that like this was the same surgery that he had, and he never he never felt like he was the same again. Um, and it's a very serious injury. Um, so, you know, I, I think at this point you just hope that like, you know, forget him playing hockey. I just hope that he. Uh, he can, uh, his, like, life is, is good and that he can walk. Yeah. Uh, he has mentioned that he does plan on making a comeback at some point, but, um, and, of course, he's, like, disappointed by this whole situation, but, um, but, yeah, if this is the last time we see him, it's like, okay, he won the Stanley Cup. That was the last game that we saw of him that would be his last game if he never makes it back so um so that's that's pretty good and that's not not a lot of players can say that he was a captain of that team as well so so that's pretty good um but uh but yeah of course this is a sad situation and i i just you know i just hope that he uh you know you have to start thinking like the human element of things like whenever you hear these types of stories yeah, just taking a look at the past three seasons, um, the 2019-2020 season was obviously shortened. I think mm-hmm. it was around 68 to 70 games. And he played 54 games in that season. And then 2020-21 was obviously the weird bubble season that we had where the max amount of games that any team played was 56. And he played in 54 of them. So that's in a normal year, close to an 82-game season. And he's hit the 80-game mark three times in his career, but he hasn't done it since 2014-15. And then this past season, 2021-22, not this season, the one before, he played in 51 games. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't even cracked the 60-game barrier uh, since 2018-19. So that's that's a long time for for a hockey player. And yep. now he's not going to be playing in any games this year and all of next season. Like, that's freaking tough. Yeah. I'm curious now what what the Avalanche do um, in their offseason. Um, I or, think they need to get leadership because yeah. that leadership that Landis Cog wasn't on the ice to provide, I think that that yeah. was a big reason why they were out so early. Yeah, I mean, it's not uh, like Lekkanen wasn't bad. Um there and Evan Rodriguez wasn't bad either, but that was also like more of a replacement for, um, for Nazem Kadri out. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something where, um, yeah, I, I do wonder if they get a, um, they get another like left winger because now I'm looking at their depth chart here. Their best left winger is Arturi Lekonin, who had 51 points in 64 games, so that's not bad. But then their second left winger they have here is uh, Logan O'Connor, um, who had 26 points in 82 games. So um, I, I feel like they just need to get a winger now um, on top of uh, center or signing Alex Newhook. Um, so, so yeah, we'll see. Um, and I, I guess that's because uh, Evan Rodriguez is, is um, 
is a free agent as well. So, uh, but uh, and, and the other thing is with yeah. the leadership group, like McKinnon and Rantanen were yeah. tasked offensively to carry the load, and they yeah. have done that. I think they'll have to do that again and then some next yeah. year. So I'm interested to see how they respond to that. Yeah, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into the 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 obituaries here. Um, we're yep. gonna we're gonna start off. So there's three obituaries that we're getting to. There is one series that in round two that's still going on, and we'll get to that in a um, I guess in like an hour probably. <laughs> in our up. time, it's still going on. By the time this is released, yeah. it'll probably be over. But in yeah, our time, fair, it, fair, in fair. our realm, it has not ended. So, game, yeah, yeah, game seven is tonight on Monday. Uh, but uh, yeah. but yes, we're. Uh, I guess we we could have done what we did last round um, and just waited till that game finished. But we figured whatever. Um, we could have, but we need content for next week. I figure. So it's <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. We can say one of the obituaries for next week. Why not? Yeah, yeah, true. Um, so, uh, yeah, and we have less to cover because it's like two series to, to talk about. Yeah, it'll be two series right. then, yeah. Uh, so uh, we're, we're going to we're gonna do it by based off of when they were out um, in the playoffs of these three teams. So we're going to start off with the New Jersey Devils. Um we both predicted the Devils to actually win this round, and so you have to give kudos to the Carolina Hurricanes because um, I thought that like uh, the, the loss of Shostakov was going to be a lot to them. I think we were riding, I was at least riding high on the Kier Schmid um, train, um, and um, yeah, it turns out that that was not smart. <laughs> um, so, uh, so there was that, but, um, but yeah, what, what ended up happening was, uh, Carolina figured things out. Freddie Anderson turned into Freddie Anderson, um, and, um, and they, they won four of five, uh, they won game five. Um, there was one moment in game three where the Devils, uh, it looked like the Devils, this would be a series, um, where the Devils won eight to four. Um, and Jack Hughes had two goals and two assists. Um, this was a game that Vitek Vanacek uh, came back in. Um, and it turns out that... Um, and then in game six... Or sorry, in game four, uh, Vanacek lost uh, six to one. So he just didn't have it. Um, and then they... Yeah, went, at this point yeah. in the series, every single time the Devils lost, they changed goalies yep. midway through. Yep. Like, they were getting shelled. As as you'll notice, I I feel like that's a common theme with um, with all these teams this year is that uh, they just change goalies every now and um, every time they're they're down, um, and yeah. Uh, so then Vanacek comes in in Game Four, they lose six to one. Then they bring in Akira Schmid um, for Game Five, and they lose in overtime. Um, to, uh, I think it was, uh, who, who got it just for fast ended up with the OT winner there. So, yeah. um, Brent Burns has been, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Carolina in a second, but, um, or in a few, few minutes, but, uh, Brent Burns was, was pretty good in that series as well. But yeah, it's, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where, Let's see here. So Jack Hughes ended the playoffs with 11 points in 12 games. 
The next closest guy um, was Dawson Mercer and Nico Heischer with seven points. Oh, and Andre Palat with seven points. Um, yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, I, I don't know if it was necessarily like the the forwards that were the issue. I think it was more of just the defense. Um, I thought Vitek Vanacek was going to be better. Um, turns out he wasn't. Because uh, I felt like the reason why the Devils were even in the, that situation, they were the second team in the Metro, and they almost were the first team in the Metro, um, was because they had they added a goalie as opposed to last year, where they had like six goalies and none of them worked. Uh, whereas this year, it's like, okay, they found Vitek Vanacek. Seems like he's the guy. Um and it turns out that, yeah, he, he, he wasn't the guy in the postseason. Um, so I am curious to see what they do in the offseason because I imagine they're going to get someone better than Vitek Vanacek in the offseason because that's going to be the big thing. Um, the thing is, is though that Vanacek has two more years left on his contract, um, they're, they're definitely... Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood is an RFA this this offseason, but um, the fact that they went with Akir Schmidt in the playoffs as opposed to their actual number two backup, um, and they never even went once to Blackwood, just shows that, they, okay, they just don't trust this guy. He's he's off the team even though he's an RFA. Um, they have Akira Schmidt for one more year. Um, but yes, I, I, I imagine that they're going to go out and get a goaltender. What's funny is, is they could go out and get Freddie Anderson because he is a free agent this year. Um, and I believe he's like their best goaltender on the market right now, but, um, which would just be funny because it's like the, the goalie that eliminated them, um, is going to end up being the, the guy that they end up getting, but, um, but yeah, maybe they go out and get a Connor Hellebuck um, in a trade because they do have the, enough assets to do that. Um, or they go out to John Gibson, speaking of the Ducks, um, and, and try to lure him to New Jersey. Uh, but um, yeah, um, what what say you about the New Jersey Devils? Well, I... I'm not going to buzz over your team. Um, the Bruins have an interesting decision with their cap space and how they're mm. going to fit Olmark and Swayman on their yeah, team. I don't happening. think it's possible. And if either one of them become available, yeah. I think that's both of them are better fits than Hellebuck and Gibson. I know it's not, but I'm just saying. If, oh, if it's oh. out there, if it's this out is... there, like the Devils, look at the prospect pool. They could get anyone they want because anyone trading with them is like, and they got a lot of great guys. So yeah, you I would definitely do some business. I would. I would rather have Connor Hellebuck than Linus Lamarck. <laughs> yeah, Hellebuck would be good Are as well because he's like on a shorter term as well. Yeah. So like, if he doesn't work out, then he can just look at the next year's group of free agents. Which yeah. uh, this year's group of free agents, to be perfectly honest, goaltending, offense, defense, it's underwhelming. Yep. Next year, though. Oh my God, is it loaded? Mm -hmm. It is loaded with superstar talent. And we're not just talking Austin Matthews. We're talking about guys like Elias Lindholm and Jake Gensel. And just look at the list. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I think for for shorter term, I think Hellebuck would make the most sense, uh, depending on um, 
how far into the retooling the Jets go into and whether or not Hellebuck is okay with that. Um, John Gibson, like you mentioned, he's he's from Pennsylvania, and that's yeah. closer to home, New Jersey uh, to Pennsylvania, than a Winnipeg is. So, you know, that could be appealing to Hellebuck as, uh, uh, to John Gibson as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there could be some options uh, out there for New Jersey beyond the free agency market. I'm going to say it. Any team that picks up Freddie Anderson is picking up a big, big risk because he is good, but he is injury prone. Like, he is Corey Schneider yep. 2.0, in Fair. my opinion. Fair. Like, you're taking a huge gamble. So, um, I think for the Devils, with a lot of talent that you're trying to keep around, you can't be daily dallying with your goaltending. You need to find a firm solution for at least the next couple of seasons. That's why I mentioned Linus Olmark, if he became available. Yeah. Uh, that's why you but mentioned Linus Olmark is also injury prone him. too. So, um, yeah, true. There, I guess there are some injury yeah. risks with a, with a lot of goalies too. But, and and this, um, is, this is just from a, like an objective hockey fan. I would rather yeah. have Connor Hellebuck than Linus Olmark. <laughs> it's, yeah, true. I, I just worry if, if, if at some point the workload is going to weigh on Connor Hellebuck so much that, like, you know, something gives yep. because he's been facing a lot of shots. Fair. And eventually, as we've seen with, you know, True. guys like Braden Olby, it catches up with them eventually. Fair, so, I guess. But the thing is, is that because, like, I, I still think the Devils are going to keep Vanacek. Because uh, he did enough in the regular season where you're like, okay, at least there's something He's there. at least a 1B. Yeah, yeah. At least a 1B. So, and whereas, like, in Winnipeg, the reason why Connor Hellebuck plays so much is because they don't really trust their backup goaltender, whoever it is. So, uh, so yeah, if you get Connor Hellebuck into New Jersey, yeah, Connor Hellebuck will probably play less than he did in Winnipeg, but you also have a good backup that you can rely on in Vitek Vanacek. Um, and you know, based off of this season, that he can he can go on a stretch of runs um, if Connor Hellebuck really needs that rest. So, um, yeah, yeah, and especially in this league, um, every team has two good... Like, every good team has two good goalies. Uh, so I, I don't think they necessarily get rid of Vitek Vanacek, but they'll probably get rid of Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, and they'll probably get rid of... Oh, well, they won't get rid of Akira Schmidt. They can just move him to uh, the AHL. But, um, just um, taking a look at their forward group, it's very interesting yeah. as well. Um, other than Jack Hughes, Nico Escher, yeah. and Andre Pallott, their most tenured forward is Curse Lazar, which I didn't. I thought he was a pending or a UFA when they got him. Um, Patrick Alvin of the Vancouver Canucks signed him to a three-year deal worth $1 million per season. So he actually has two years left on his contract after yeah. this one, which is interesting. Uh, Jesper Bratt is an arbitration eligible, oh, yeah. restricted free agent, $5.45 million. Another big season for him. I expect him to get paid. Um, Tatar, I could see walking, and I'm fine with that. Miles Wood, maybe I keep around, but he yep. costs $3.2 million. Obviously, the big elephant in the room is Timo Meyer, uh, arbitration eligible, restricted free agent. Yep. And um, the qualifying offer is going to be pretty huge there, uh, despite what it says on Cap Friendly, because um, they did get him at a reduced salary, I think. Yep. Yeah, they did. Um, but the uh, it'll be in the around the ten million range is qualifying offer. So 
what they decide to do with Timo Meyer is going to be one of the talks of the offseason for sure. Eric Halla had a pretty good season. I consider maybe keeping him around. Igor Sharon Govich, I can it's a coin toss. I personally would keep him, but I can understand why they wouldn't. He's arbitration eligible RFA that costs two million dollars. Mikey McLeod, I loved him as a bottom six center. I would keep him. He only costs nine seventy-five K arbitration eligible RFA like the others. Uh, there's Jesper Bielkvist and Nathan Bastian who are also arbitration-eligible RFAs. And on the back end, you have Kevin Ball as an RFA. In terms of Mackenzie Blackwood, I think his time is done, yep. and that would be $2.8 million in cap space. And they also have his rights because he's arbitration-eligible RFA too. So they can just move him wherever mm-hmm. and uh, get him into a pretty good setup there and the Jonathan Bernier contract is also going to go away uh, after this season as well and uh, you only have one more year of the Corey Schneider and Yanni Kuokinen buyouts so uh, their buyouts are going to be going away pretty soon as well Uh, they they have some decisions to make no question but uh, for the most part you know they've got a young core to build around um, a couple of things here and there that they need to improve on but all in all uh, they've made a lot of strides in one year, and the best is yet to come for that team. Yep. I really hope this year isn't a fluke, and they continue to be forces in the Metro Division because they're a fun, fun team, man. Yeah, I mean, even still, like, you you also forgot to mention Damon Severson and Ryan Graves as UFAs. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, even, like, still, like, you, we saw a bit of Luke Hughes in the playoffs. They also have Simon Nemich. Yep. Um, in the yep. system as well, so their defense will improve. Alex Holtz, who hasn't really seen any yep. ice time on the forward group, by the way. Yep. Yeah, they. Um, yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, their defense should improve. Like it wasn't just the goaltending that was bad; it was also the defense. Like, yeah, you have Dougie True. Hamilton on there. John John Marino was a nice addition for them as well. Um, I assume Luke Hughes will be um a regular season guy um next year and then yeah maybe simon nemich makes the also the um the uh, uh his, his his turns pro this year as well um and um yeah we'll see but uh yeah damon severson and ryan graves are also ufa so they have some yeah. cap space to deal with but yeah i guess their priority will probably be jesper pratt and Timo Meyer, um, yeah, as well as just trying to find uh, a goalie, uh, like a, a better goalie uh, than than Vanjie. Yeah, I think that's their top three yeah. in terms of offseason priorities yeah. for sure. Um, the the other thing I I will say about the Devils is I don't know if this should be a concern just moving forward, but I found their offense was inconsistent and spotty throughout the course of the playoffs. I'm not sure if I should be worried yeah. about that going into next season. Or if that's just the growing pains of playoff hockey with this group, not really having that playoff experience and they're just learning as they go. So uh, hopefully that doesn't become a recurring trend next season mm-hmm. because uh, if it does, well, that could pose problems. Yep. Uh, so uh, Toronto, they uh, they wanted Florida and they got Florida. Uh, they ended up... And they losing. got out. Yeah, and they got out, yes. They lost in five games. Um to um, the Florida, they. Um, this was actually another one that I called as well. Um, that uh, yeah, Florida uh, won Game One 
Um, then they won game two. Then they won game three. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait a second. Toronto, uh, like, I thought once you, you get out of the, the, the spoils of round one, you, you know, there's other rounds that they have to <laughs> win. Um, and, and they didn't end up getting there. Um, and it was like, you know, I'm just looking here at their stats here. Uh, what I found interesting was Matt Murray did not play at all. Um, instead, Joseph Wall, um, I, I guess Samsonov was, um, he wasn't playing as well as he should have. So they replaced him with a Joseph Wall. Oh, he Wall. got hurt in the midway through oh, game three right. and Wall came in. Yep. Um, and I think the fact that they went to Wall instead of Matt Murray well, kind of shows you yeah. um, how much more they trusted Wall in the elimination game. Like, think about it. Yeah. A guy like Matt Murray being injury prone all year and you're going to turn to that guy with your season on the line? Yep. Yikes. Well, I, yeah, I was just about to get to that. But it wasn't that... Like Joseph Wall played badly because he did end up winning the game. Um, yeah, <laughs> was he plays good. Yeah. yeah, he he was pretty good. Uh, Two point three six GAA and a save percentage nine twenty one. In fact, um, but uh, yeah, I, exactly. Like the fact that like yeah, I was critical when they did get Matt Murray, um, but I could kind of understand it just because he did win those back to back cups with Pittsburgh. Um, you know, he has a relationship with, uh, with Kyle Dubas. So that part, I, I didn't understand, like, not, I mean, I guess like Joseph Wall was pretty good. So it's, it's not like I can't really knock it cause it's like whatever. And I'm not sure how much of a difference it did, it would have made if Matt Murray ended up playing, but it is a little strange that it's like they make this trade to get Matt Murray and they made it solely so that they could, uh, so that he could play in the playoffs and they don't bring him in. <laughs> instead, they bring in this Joseph Wall guy um, instead, unless maybe Matt Murray is injured too or something, which I guess wouldn't be sh shocking because that was the other thing about Matt Murray is he's, he's injury prone as, to, as well, but... But, uh, but yeah, it was just strange to me when I, I just remember like emailing you saying like, wait, why isn't Matt Murray in? It's instead, this is Joseph Wall. Uh, the other thing I want to mention before I get into the free agents, um, uh, cause I, I know that this was, uh, talked about in Toronto media, but Mitchell Marner, William Nylander, and, uh, Austin Matthews had a combined, three goals between them and uh, Austin Matthews had zero goals um, in this series. Um, so uh, that needs to be better. Um, it's not just the goaltending that needed to be better, but it's like their stars need to perform um, when it matters. That's just, that's just the reality. Um, and um, that's, um, yeah, that just needs to be better. Um, I don't know what else needs to be said, but like, if if you're like the Maple Leafs, like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with like uh, Morgan Riley or Michael Bunting or um, Ryan O'Reilly or Matthew Nyes or whatever. But the fact that like like those three guys, like those, that is your team. 
uh, Marner, Matthews, and Nylander, especially Matthews, because he is your star player. He had a disappointing regular season, had a disappointing playoffs. He just needs to be better in general. Um, and and yeah, he wasn't, and he wasn't um, he wasn't ready. So um, that that's the ultimate. Like I don't know what else to say about that, but it's just like um, it's one of those things where it's like. Uh, yeah, Matthews just needs to be better in the in these playoffs. Um, in terms of the free agents uh, this year uh, for the Maple Leafs, it's not too bad. Uh, they have Kerfoot, O'Reilly, David Camp, Nolachari, Michael Bunting, um, Wayne Simmons, Zach Austin Reese, Justin Hole, Luke Shen, and Eric Gustafson as UFAs. RFAs, you have Ilya Samsonov, so you can, you don't, uh, they don't necessarily need to sign any of those guys. Maybe they sign Samsonov again, um, but um, but we'll see. Maybe they reunite and get Freddie Anderson back. That'd be kind of funny. Uh, but um, but yeah, I think this team just needs to like. I don't know. I, I'm thinking like because I remember back when uh, Tampa lost uh, that um, you know that that great season and they got swept by Columbus and they didn't do anything in that off season when they probably should have. So it's like okay, you got out of the first round. Now you have to focus on the second round and maybe. You know, the thing that I've started to realize what Florida did, um, and I guess we'll talk about them soon, but the thing that Florida did was is that they um, they didn't make that many changes either, other than adding, like, yeah, they got rid of Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, but they added Matthew Kachuk, who, like, adds, like, a whole different element to this team, who adds, like, that sandpaper. So, uh, so they need more of those guys who can bring the physicality, but are also like very good players as well. They're not just like hitters. So it's like they need their Sam Bennett's. They need their Sam, their Radko Gudises. They need their Matthew Kachuks. And um, and they cause chaos all yeah. series. Right. I mean, I guess you could say this about every team. <laughs> it's like you need you need guys who can both like score goals and hit and and intimidate other their opponents but um but yeah for Toronto especially I think that was a big reason why they were out was they're they're just kind of soft so uh they they need to get more of those types of players who can uh who can be in those meshes and um and yeah and uh get in your face um and also score goals um as well which is funny because uh, Keith Kachuk calling the Florida Panthers soft. Yeah, like what two I months ago? I'm calling I'm calling Toronto soft now. So, but yes, you're right. Dang, yeah. it's traverse yeah. the curse, man. Next mm-hmm. year's their year because mm-hmm. uh, that next year's all they funny. have. Um, it's funny. I actually, when the Maple Leafs were down three to nothing, I was like, oh, this is like because. I've always likened the the Toronto Maple Leafs to the pre two thousand four Red Sox, especially because they both had dedicated fan bases who, um, like even when their team sucks, they 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 always had a ton of fans. Um, 
And uh, when they lost 3 nothing to the Florida Panthers, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to, like, I, I, I'm, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm actually going to root for the Maple Leafs because they could come back from 3 nothing just like the 2004 Red Sox did. And that didn't end up happening. But it was funny that I was just thinking, like, oh, they could break, reverse the curse. And they didn't end up doing that. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> so, when you look at Game 5, yep, they were down 2 nothing, And then they made it 2-1. to one. And then they tied it at 2, or so they thought, because, uh-oh, video review, and uh-oh, another controversial mm-hmm. call. Uh, Steve Dangles says while he saw the puck was in, he understood the call and the refs made the right call. So before any Leaf fans uh, continue to harp on the refs, I mean, sadly, in this case, that's just the way it goes. And the good news is the Leafs tied the game with five minutes left and they had chances to win in overtime. And it just didn't happen. As Steve Dangles says, they ran out of miracles. And there were just so many good resilient efforts from the Maple Leafs and I felt they're on the right track. They just ran out of time. And game three, if they win game three, then they go into Toronto, tied at two, and even if they lose that game five, at least they go into Florida into game six with a chance to force game seven back home. And anything can happen in game seven. When they go down three games to none and your backs are against the wall for four straight games, I don't care how good your team is. I don't care how resilient they are. That is a tough, tough call to win four in a row like that, especially against a team like Florida. And I'm not saying they took the Panthers lightly, but I feel like the Leafs fans chanting, we want Florida. It's like, please, we don't want Boston. We want Florida. But, you know, Matthew Kachuk and, you know, as any good athlete does, uses that as fuel to the fire and just says, hey, they want us. Well, let, let's yeah. give it to them. Yep. And, uh, you know, no greater satisfaction than shutting up the other team's fan base, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's this stat sheet after 20 minutes of Game 5 that I wanted to show to you, Brett. Or, well, uh, it's it. you can't see it. It's on my phone, but I'll <laughs> read it to you. All right. Thank you. So the Toronto Maple Leafs, 20 minutes into Game 5, right? No goals on 14 shots. Seven shots in the slot, the most dangerous area to score from. Five cycle chances. In three minutes and 15 seconds of offensive zone puck possession. The Florida Panthers had two goals on 12 shots in that first period with a total of six shots from the slot and a grand total of one cycle chance. Can you guess what their ozone possession time was in that first period? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I don't even have a guess, no. The correct answer is 41 seconds. They had two goals on 12 shots, six shots from the slot, and one cycle chance in 41 seconds. That's three to four times less the offensive zone puck possession than the main police, and they're outscoring them two to nothing. That is a prime example of puck on your stick, get the puck to the net, get bodies in front of the net, get instant pressure on the other team, bang the pucks in the net, we got a goal. Yeah. Like, like the forward check is something that Steve Dangle alluded to. If you want the full scope of how these fans are reacting, Steve Dangle podcast, 
titled Change, released uh, days after the Maple Leafs Game 5 loss. The first hour and 40 minutes is all about the Maple Leafs, what went wrong, where they go from here, etc., etc. I highly recommend, if you have an hour and 40 minutes watching the whole thing, I learned a lot from that, and you will too. Anyways, and he talks about these types of things throughout the course of the episode, and this stat graphic was one of them. And I'm just like, this is so freaking Toronto. Like, they have all the talent, all the time in the world to do stuff, and there's just no go get the puck to the net. Like, I just feel like they're looking for the perfect shot, and they're just not going to get that in the playoffs. You're not going to get penalties in the regular season that you expect to be calls. They're not going to get called in the playoffs other than the obvious puck over glass. They'll call those all day. Right. But they're really going to tighten it up on the penalty calls. Freaking, freaking take advantage of that. Yeah. They're not going to call it on the Panthers. They're not going to call it on you. So, like, like, take advantage of the playoff hockey that's given to you and learn to adapt in those situations. If you have to get bodies and pucks to the net, get bodies and pucks to the net because that's where you're going to score goals in the playoffs. Look at Joe Pavelski and his, and his heroics in game one of the Seattle series and basically anything he's done all playoffs. You know how he does most of his damage? He goes to the freaking front of the net and yeah. it works. Because he's the freaking tip master. He, he tips pucks in like it's nothing. Like he's been doing it since the day he was born. And it works every time. Maybe not every time, but most of the time it works every time. <laughs> but you get you get the point. The, the pros like that, who are so darn good at their jobs, that are made for playoff hockey. The Leafs need players that are made for playoff hockey. Noel Achari, Ryan O'Reilly, those are guys that are made for playoff hockey. They need to keep those guys around. Um, so going through the list of UFAs quickly. Alex Kerfoot, I'm fine with parting with him. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, keep him, 100%. David Kampf, I don't dislike him or like him, whatever. Noel Achari, keep him, 100%. Michael Bunting, depending on the price tag, maybe keep him. But again, 50-50 coin toss, I'm fine with whatever. Uh, Wayne Simmons, probably out. Zach Aston Reese, probably out. Justin Hall, I would say he's out. Uh, Luke Shen, I'd probably keep him around. Eric Gustafson, probably not keeping him around. Ilya Samsonov, depending on what he's asking for, at $1.8 million, he had probably the best season on paper. He could use that as leverage in his RFA negotiations. Um, if you can keep him at the right price, fine. If he's asking for too much, then trade his rights and get some return back. Matt Murray's cap hit. I'd find a way to trade that away. 4.687 for another year. You can probably spend that to build on your roster from there. Um, Jake Muzzin is probably not going to be back this year. Maybe not ever. You're going to have young guys like Matthew Nice and Nick Robertson in the fold in due time. You got some young defensive guys that you could probably use as well. So there, there are options that the Leafs have in their farm system that they can use to replace some of the veteran talent that is leaving them. And there are some guys on the open market that might be good fits for them. But that brings me to the next question is, and it was addressed on the Steve Dingle podcast that I mentioned, is the core four over? The we can and we will era, is it done? Do we need to move on from that? And I think the answer is unfortunately you have no choice. Like, a William Nylander, his first three playoff runs, he had three goals in hmm. combined 19 games. 
The past three years, he's been easily the most consistent goal scorer on the Maple Leafs in playoff time. Like, simple as that. And two of the three goals that the core four scored in the Florida Panthers series, off of Willie Nylander's stick. Right there. The core four had 13 goals and 34 points against Tampa, three goals, nine points against Florida, and most of that goal-scoring damage against Florida, like I said, off of William, William Nylander's stick. And the funny thing is, his contract is probably going to be the easiest to offload with the year left. He's the cheapest guy out of the core four. Hmm. And I think you have no choice but to trade that away and get some pieces that are going to help your team. And the other question is not John Tavares because his contract's impossible to move, but one of Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner. If you have the chance to trade one of those guys away, do you do it? No. Austin Matthews, as we all know, has a year left on his deal. And depending on the amount of money he's going to ask, the Leafs are going to have to number crunch. And they've had to number crunch this entire time the core four has been in existence. Mitch Marner, two years left, but a no-trade clause kicks in July 1st. And he's probably going to be asking for a lot of money. And if you remember correctly, the contract negotiations for Mitch Marner on his latest deal at times were pretty sour. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to be any easier come next offseason when he's due to get paid again. And they have to go through that for another 12 months. Uh, that that could spell distraction with a capital D. So if I have to trade one of Marner or Matthews, I'd honestly consider it. Because uh-huh. if, if, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, hear me out. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you're a fan of this team, do you care who's on this roster? You don't cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs because Mitch Marner plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. or Austin Matthews or William Nylander or John Tavares. You cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs because you love the Toronto Maple Leafs and you want them to win the cup. Yep. It's the exact same reason why I cheer for the Ottawa Senators. It's the exact same reason why you cheer for the Boston Bruins. It's the exact same reason why you, listening at home, cheer for whatever team you cheer for. You want your team to win the cup. Mm-hmm. You want your team to win whatever trophy is available. And the biggest trophy you want to be on top of the world after all of those years of no playoffs and playoff disappointments and one game away from the biggest prize it's right there and you just can't grasp it you're waiting endlessly for that moment to say my team just won the championship i'm so freaking happy Mm -hmm. look at the Toronto raptors after they trade demar Derozan. were people pissed about the initial trade yes were they, were they suspect what Kawhi Leonard was going to do in his short time with the Toronto Raptors? At the time, yes. They won a title. They won it all. That's what you wanted your team to do. And I think for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the core four is not getting it done. You can only go so far with this core four, and I fear that the furthest they could go is second round, and you're done. And that's just not good enough for a team that has big aspirations. On top of that, Kyle Dubas is going to need a new contract. You don't know what the future of Sheldon Keith is going to be as there are rumors he could be on the chopping block after this defeat. So you've got a lot of decisions to make if you're Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment in short order to make them. And all of these decisions are going to change the balance of power in this league, in this conference, and in this Atlantic division that both our teams play in, Brett. And I think... uh, the core four is going to look significantly different once we get to October. That's just my opinion. Um, 
Okay. Are you done with this rant? <laughs> yes, 100%. Sorry about that. It was funny how, like, I was just, like, I was trying to speak, and then you, you kept on saying more, and it's just like, damn it. To be fair, you talked about uh, the Bruins a That's lot. That's true, in yeah. But you don't, you don't even like the Leafs. <laughs> I don't, but I just, I don't know why. I just hate it when teams yeah. waste opportunities. And this uh, was an opportunity wasted. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um no, I get it. And you're probably like, uh, you. I think don't you like work right by Rogers or something like that, right? I uh, work right next door to the station that exclusively yeah. covers the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Yes, I do. And you also listen. But I know a lot of Leaf fans. Yeah, and you that also are in watch, Ottawa that you, work in that building that true. are pretty crushed by you, this latest playoff. Yeah, player. yeah, fair. And you also like shared with me uh, the Steve Dangle podcast, and I saw that it was two hours, and I was just like, "Sorry, I'm not I don't blame you for not watching it as a Bruins fan, especially." Yeah. <laughs> But you don't but like the hockey story, and I, I, I felt, part of, I felt, uh, part of I felt me, encouraged to at least check it out. Part of me, I, I think you actually might like the Leafs. I don't know, um, but I have, I have, only, I have more tolerance of the Leafs than I did as a kid. I will say that. But if you would ask me to wear a Leafs jersey, I wouldn't do it. Okay, but only I would need to be paid a million dollars. All I'll say yeah. is, only a Leafs fan will watch two hours of that Steve Dingle podcast. There. Um, the anyways, going back to it, um, you know, I, I think Jeff Merrick um, mentioned this on his podcast that um, the Leafs are. Remember when the Washington Capitals, uh, they would be great in the regular season. This was you know back when the early Alex Ovechkin days. Um, they had a great regular season and then they failed in the playoffs. Um, and they would do this time and time again. Um, and their coach at that time was this guy named Bruce Boudreaux, um, who was a very good yep. coach. But what ended up happening is they uh, they got rid of Bruce Boudreaux. And they put in Bruce Cassidy. And then Bruce Cassidy didn't work. And then they put in this other coach. Uh, there's like countless of coaches before they got to. Barry I think it was Trump. Adam Oates, or no, Adam Oates it was Dale was Hunter, Hunter then Adam Oates. Yeah, Dale Hunter. Uh, then there was yeah. Like, yeah, there was a few other guys as well. That's that's for sure too. But then, um, but then, yeah, eventually they got to Barry Trotz, and their team looked yeah. different than it once was as well. Um, like yeah, they used to, like Alex Semin used to be a a big part of that Caps team, and it wasn't there. But the thing that, you know, for me, it's like they, they they still had Alex Ovechkin. They still had Nicholas Backstrom. They still had John Carlson, although I guess John Carlson was pretty young at that point. I think they just drafted him. Uh, but they still had, like, like, a core players. And then you add Evgeny Kuznetsov. You add a couple of, like, guys like that. But the, the main point of that is that they kept their superstars. They kept their Alex Ovechkins. They kept Nicholas Backstrom. Um, so uh, when you're saying that they should trade Austin Matthews and Mitchell Marners, that might be the stupidest thing I think you've ever said. <laughs> like, because, uh, like, that's, like, yes, they, they need to play better in the playoffs. I 
Like if you like there there is no Toronto Maple Leafs without those guys. Um I Mitch Marner has five goals in his last thirty six playoff games. You trust yeah. him? Yes, I I I think so, yes. I he's also like one of the like top ten best players in the league right now. Yes. I wouldn't uh, argue with that, but you need I, playoff winners. Yeah, I know, but like I, I wouldn't like I still would want him on my team. <laughs> like, yeah, hundred percent. So, so I'm just saying, the Leafs don't have time to wait anymore. Yeah, fair, but I, I like I'm not opposed to trading William Nylander, although I, I don't know if I necessarily would do it. I guess it just depends on what the trade is. But Austin Matthews, you're never getting that. You're never getting a guy of that caliber back. Like I don't care what you say. Yeah, like, no, you're not wrong. And that's the same with Mitchell Marner. You're not getting a guy yeah. of that caliber back. You're not making a Matthew Kachuk for Jonathan Hubert type deal. Um, so, so from that standpoint, I I don't I don't see it, or I don't I don't think you trade those Matt Marner or Matthews. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess to your point, like, yes, you're probably not going to, uh, like, there is a chance that you're not going to get past the first round next year with this core of Marner or Matthews, but those guys are the only players that you keep, pretty much. Um, and, you know, you could get a lot of stuff out of Willie Nylander, you could probably get a lot of stuff out of Morgan Riley, um, and I do agree that there needs to be some changes uh, but first thing that needs to happen is Sheldon Keefe needs to be out of there, um, and they need to get a new coach. Um, and uh, I, I think if yeah. they keep Pal Dubas and he wants to keep yeah. Sheldon Keefe, they might let go of both because yeah. I don't keep thinking. But I don't think Keefe is it anymore. Yeah. Um, the the other thing that I will say is I realize when I'm trading away one of Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, I'm probably not winning that trade. Mm. But if I get players that will help me win a Stanley Cup, to me, it's worth it. Fair. It's worth it because you have that championship. Fair. And, and, but, like, and what, the, what kind of player are with, you looking for? Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews is, in Austin Matthews' case, he could walk for nothing. True. And in two years, in Mitch Marner's case, he could walk for nothing as True. well. And but, then you just lose two of your star players for nobody. Right, right. Which is worse. But who are you getting? Like, who are... Like, I, I guess, like, it did kind of happen with the Matthew Kachuk and Jonathan Huberto trade. It's like, yeah, at the time, we were all thinking, like, what is Florida doing? Like, they traded a really good player in Jonathan Huberto. They traded Mackenzie Weger, who's also really good, and a first-round pick for Matthew Kachuk. And then it turns out it worked out pretty good for them. Um, not just in the playoffs. Just but have in the a quick, season. strong yeah. forecheck that just eats away at you and wears you down. Yeah. And, but like, and but, I, just feel, I just feel like the least formula isn't good enough for the playoffs, fair. and it's happened multiple times but, with this core. But like, I just don't know if you can wait that long. True. But, like, what player are you getting? Like, what? Like, there's. it's not like Matthew Kachuk grows on trees. He's like a one. That's why I'm not the general manager. Unfortunately, okay. someone else is because <laughs> I don't have to make that right. decision. But I, I mean, are, are you are you willing to roll the dice with this core four again? That's the question. That I can agree with. That I can I can see William Nylander being traded. I think you do trade Jonathan Tavares too if you can get someone back, um, or if someone is willing to do that because his contract is 
too long. It's not that he's a bad player or anything, but... John Tavares has two years left, but he has a full no-move clause, so good luck uh, with that. Oh, I see. Okay. And um, he also has the cap at $11 million. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder, maybe if so they try to get... If you're trading anyone significant, it's Matthews or Marner. If you're, if you're wanting to make significant... Oh, no. I, I think like you could get multiple I, pieces to help you. It's one of Matthews or Marner that needs to go. Yeah, but you're I, not getting that with Neilander. But I don't think you're getting anyone's like. I I think you could get someone significant out of Neilander, and also I like I don't think you would have a team like you would get worse if you trade Marner or Matthews. <laughs> like, your that's, team's gonna. That's the risk. And your team's gonna that's be bad. The risk. Your team might not That's even the make the playoffs. That's took when they traded DeRozan and yeah. they got Kawhi Leonard, but it but, worked. But, well, first, at that time, Kawhi Leonard was pretty good. He had he was on the Spurs when, with the Tim Duncan era, um, and he was a big reason why they won that, that last championship on the Spurs. Yep. But, the main reason, yeah, I would argue, but yeah. Yeah, fair. Uh, but, uh, but for Matthews and Marner, like, those guys, like, they're not... Like I, I just wouldn't trade those guys. <laughs> like you're gonna make your team worse. Like that's how you lose yeah. this. Uh, like that's that's how you miss the playoffs is if you trade one of those guys. Um. But anyways, uh, let's go on to the other. At the community. end of the day, I won't be too sad because I cheer for my sins. And no, if the I Leafs know. fail, well, well okay. then that's good news for maybe, my team. Maybe that's why you're suggesting this because you're suggesting uh, one of the like a really dumb I mean, thing that they shouldn't I mean, do. <laughs> at the Leafs' expense, my sins benefit. Okay. I would be happy. All right, yeah, now but... now I understand it. You you you're giving purposely bad advice for the Toronto. Well, I have a degree of sympathy <laughs> if if the Leafs. If the Leafs and the Sens are meeting in the playoffs, yeah. any type of soft spot I have for the Leafs, gone. Okay. I am Fair. I am on board the Sens but 100%. I understand why you're giving bad advice to the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're, uh, you're really rooting for the Ottawa Senators. But I just right. have sympathy for a team that didn't okay. win anything up until 19 years ago, and they finally won something only yeah. to get knocked out by Florida, and they didn't even take to game six yeah, to yeah, do yeah, it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have sympathy. I'm, I'm, I'm human. Okay. <laughs> I, I shouldn't even be, like, sympathizing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I also shouldn't be, like, shouldn't be defending this team. But hey, let's sympathize with the Edmonton Oilers I, fans. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I, I'm just saying as, like, an objective hockey fan, it would be very, very dumb if Austin Matthews yeah. or Mitch Marner got traded. At least the least of a first round yeah. pick, and it belongs to your Boston Bruins. They have yeah. that going. I on. mean, I would love if, like, if they did trade Austin Matthews to an American market. I think that would be great for hockey, but uh, it's not going to happen. Um, the Kings or the Ducks for me is probably where oh, he goes nice. if he yeah. goes anywhere else but Toronto. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so uh, the Edmonton Oilers, yes, uh, we are doing that now. Uh, yeah, they lost last night. Um, I, this was another one that I've kind of predicted as well. Uh, yes, they were still incredible in the power play. They were even incredible shorthanded too, but just wasn't enough for this Vegas team. Jonathan Marcheseau uh, had a hat trick last night, a natural hat trick, um, and it just wasn't good enough for them. Um, and their goaltending wasn't strong enough, uh, which is kind of what I was fearing. Um, for, for the Edmonton Yeah, Oilers. you were right about Stuart Skinner. Yep. I'll, you fell I'll apart. admit, you were right. 
Uh, yes. Oh, Stuart Skinner. Literally took not even 30 seconds for the Vegas Golden Knights to score the opening yeah, goal yeah. in game six. And then yeah. fortunately, Connor McDavid's just like, hey, you have me. Oh, right, they do have him. Yeah. And then the Oilers were up like two to one, five minutes in. Yeah, and then and then Jonathan Marcher says like, oh, I, I'm better than Connor McDavid. I'm just going to score Wait, three goals. did you say Jonathan Marchessault scored a hat trick? Yeah, in uh, the second period. Oh, my God, that's three points for my fantasy team. I might yeah. not be dead. Let's go. Okay. Um, I'm anyways. just kidding. I might be dead still. <laughs> anyways, Stuart Skinner, uh, yeah, he had... Uh, um, he went two and four in this series with a 3.97 GAA and a save percentage of 875. Jack Campbell actually was decent uh, when he played. Uh, a 957 save percentage and a GAA of .89, um, but he didn't play that often. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then in terms of the the forwards here or the skaters, uh, you have Connor uh, Connor McDavid with 10 points in these six games. Evan Bouchard with seven points. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, and Zach Hyman all with seven points. Um, in this series. Um, and then in terms of free agents for the Edmonton Oilers, you have Derek Ryan, Matthias Yanmark, Devin Shore, and Nick Bukestad as UFAs. Um, in terms of RFAs, you have Ryan McLeod, Clem Costin, and Evan Bouchard. Um, so Evan Bouchard basically proved in these, um, these playoffs that he's worthwhile and he's going to be a very good defenseman. Um, so he's going to be the one guy that they should definitely sign again. Um, I do wonder what they do for a goaltending situation, speaking of goalies. Um, you have Jack Campbell for four more years, and then you have Stuart Skinner uh, for uh, three more years at 2.6. Um, Jack Campbell did not have a great regular season, even though I guess he had a decent postseason when he was playing, but... Uh, Stuart Skinner, um, it was kind of the opposite. He didn't have a great postseason, but he had a better regular season, um, and it was a big reason why uh, Oilers were able to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, the thing with these the Edmonton Oilers and their cap situation is is that yeah, of course you have the two best players in the league in uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, um, but they're both like. They both make a ton of money, um, and you can't really do a lot of stuff without it because uh, you have Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins um, making a lot of money for longer than McDavid and Drysdale are. Uh, with uh, let me see here, five. I think that I think Nugent Hopkins is. Oh yeah, uh, his ends in twenty twenty eight twenty nine, so that's in a few more years. And Zach Hyman's contract ends in 2027, 2028. Um, and then, uh, yeah, McDavid's contract ends in 2026, 27. And um, Leon Dreisaitl is um, in 2025 to 2026. Um, so, um, and then you also have Evander Kane, who has three more years left. And then, um, yeah, so I don't know. I guess... I guess for the Oilers, it's like you're you're always going to be in contention when you have McDavid and Drysaitel on your team. I guess it's just more about like who do you pick up and like what you can who can you sign on your team 
um, for the uh, like just for the contracts. But the thing is, is that like even if you discount McDavid and Drysaitel who are making a lot of money, you have Darnell Nurse making nine point two five million uh, for like four more, five more years, basically. Uh, you have Matthias Eichholm with making six million for four more or for three more years. Um, Cody CC for three point two five million for two more years. Then you have Brett Kulak uh, somehow uh, with three more uh, three three more years um, on his contract. Um, to be fair, last year during the playoffs, uh, he kind of earned that contract. Yeah. Maybe you could say it was still an overpay, but he played well. Yeah, I guess. I guess what I'm thinking is, is that like, okay, your priority this summer should be that you should sign Evan Bouchard, um, and he's going to be getting a lot of money. But they don't have a ton of yep. cap space. They don't have any cap space at all, basically. <laughs> so, so it's like. Uh, so yes, you you do have a good point, and like yes, you uh, Oscar Kleffbaum, Mike Smith, and Ryan Murray, who are all on LTIR, their contracts are gone. But you're still like, um, let me see here. According to Cap Friendly, uh, their cap space they have five point nine million left, even when you discount those those guys. Left. So they do have Ryan Murray, Mike Smith, and Oscar Clefbaum coming off the books. That's what I just said. Cap, so there's that. That's what I just said. But even still, you have five point nine. Like even after those guys are there, they're um. It says here, according to Cap Friendly, that they would still have five point nine million left in cap space. Yeah. Um, and you might use a majority of that to keep Bouchard around. Right, 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 right. So, um, so yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. Ekholm was a decent addition to them um, in the in the um, in that trade deadline. It's just like okay, it's like I, I think that's just what what happens. It's like okay, you you have like that's you sign Connor David, the big bucks. You signed Leon Dreisaitl, the big bucks, although I guess now he's kind of underpaid at $8.5 million. Um, but then it's like, okay, you still have to fill out the rest of the roster. And, um, and yeah, the, the rest of their roster is not great. Um, so, um, so, yeah, it's, it's just uh, they're in a tricky situation from their cap standpoint. Um, because it's like, I could say it's like, okay, they need to get more depth pieces. Um, and I don't know how they're able to do that. I guess they could try to, like, trade get Collier, Yamamoto. Maybe they trade Evander Kane. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't know um, what they... Oh, I guess Evander Kane's on a no-movement clause. Um, maybe they try yeah. to trade uh, Ryan... Like, I could suggest trading Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Zach Hyman, but both are on long-term contracts and both have no movement clauses. Um, maybe you try to move like Darnell Nurse, or maybe you try to move Matthias Eichel, but they're both on. They both have terrible contracts as well. So, um, so yeah, I don't know necessarily. Like, I, I would suggest that they trade someone, but. Like, maybe it's just Yamamoto, because I think that's the only one they can trade. 
So remember we were talking about the Leafs and all the big decisions they have to make? Mm. The Edmonton Oilers are sitting ducks mm. in comparison. <laughs> you were talking about players that they recently signed to big contracts, right? Nugent Hopkins, Evander mm. Kane, they just got into a second. They're, they're so screwed. Like, they need the young guys to take steps yeah. ASAP. And one of them, Matt Van Petrov, as good as he's been, he just finished probably his final season of junior hockey. <laughs> so mm. he hasn't even played an AHL game yet. You're hoping that Xavier Bougeau is ready. You're hoping that Carter Savoie is ready. You're hoping that Raphael Lebois, after a couple of years in the minors, is ready to go. You have Ty Dylan Julio, Holloway. who uh, not too long ago just finished up his junior career. Dylan, uh, um, Dylan Holloway. He's pretty Dylan good. Holloway as well, yeah, obvious obvious one there. And then, like you said, after a mammoth playoffs and a couple of respectable 40-point campaigns in the regular season, Evan Bouchard is going to be asking for a lot of money, so you're probably going to have to pay what you're probably paying Oscar Kleffbaum at like around close to $5 million, right? Mm-hmm. And so that adds up after a time. And then you realize the clock is ticking on the McDavid Dreisaitl era because we were talking how in two years Mitch Marner could walk for nothing. Leon Dreisaitl could do the exact same thing, and his cap it is $8.5 million. Yeah. You could argue the biggest bargain in the NHL right now. Yep. Uh, and then Connor McDavid, who just continues to defy physics and do whatever the heck he wants on the ice. $12.5 million is worth every single cent of that $12.5 million. Yep. And in three years, he is due to get paid again. And he'll be easily worth more than that. So. Yeah. I honestly don't know how the Edmonton Oilers improve other than from within. Like, they're in a very, very, very tough spot. And all of the guys that are pending UFAs that they could walk away from, they're not really going to get the return back that you would to, like, I don't know, improve your roster. They're going to still be carried by Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid to the point where if you take both of them away, how good are the Edmonton Oilers? Are they even a playoff team? In my opinion, no. They're hovering on the playoffs maybe, but, I mean, without Stuart Skinner, I don't even know if they're a playoff team because Jack Campbell was struggling pretty much Mm -hmm. all of this season. And you wouldn't know it by its record because, oh, yeah, they have Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. There's there's a lot of what the heck do they do around this team? And at least the Leafs have options. Yeah. They can choose to trade Austin Matthews if they wanted to. They can choose to trade Mitch Marner if they wanted to. They can choose to do a lot of different things. Mm. They have contracts to move. Edmonton doesn't. Yeah. They're, they're in a war, far worse position than the Maple Leafs right now. And... They're going to be in a division that's um, going to be probably improving. I expect L.A. to make moves. Obviously, Vegas can only do so much, but, you know, they're on their way to their fourth ever conference finals appearance in their existence, and they've been around for, I think, this is, what, year seven? So, um, yeah, <laughs> that that's kind of interesting there. Um, and then you have, you know, Calgary. I'm there's question marks as to yeah. what they could do, but if they play their cards right, hey, they could be back in the conversation as well. Um, and look at what Seattle has done uh, as well. 
that they, they've gotten by with, you know, not nearly as deadly a power play as the Edmonton Oilers had. And, you know, thanks to their five-on-five -five capabilities, thanks to their ability to get the first goal, get early momentum on their side, their scoring depth, thanks to a lot of, you know, underrated talent, they're one step away in our realm of reaching the conference finals for the first time in team history. And they've only been around for two years now, not even two full years. So, um, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of question marks surrounding where the Oilers go from here and how much they can improve this roster. And man, there, if, if Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl needed any extra uh, uh, amount of negotiation ammo, uh, they probably found it after this season because they, just ran probably one of the most deadliest power plays we have ever seen in NHL history. And they were out in the second round game six. Yep. And absolutely incredible. But that that's kind of what I was saying before where the, like they're the, like in the playoffs, like, yeah, obviously it's great to have a good power play and an automatic power play, but in the playoffs, like that's just what what happens where calls aren't made <laughs> like you don't get a ton of power plays every game so it's like yep. if you're if you're if, like it, as good as a power play is and as good of an advantage that is for the Edmonton Oilers it's like it's not that great of an advantage when it hardly ever happens so um and you need also to also don't have a first a third yeah. and a fourth round pick this year in a and, deep draft yeah, so yeah. And you, I mean, that's you could say that about pretty much every team in the playoffs now. But but especially the Oilers that need yeah. to like build Fair. from within. That's yeah. uh, that's, that's rough. That's a good point. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess like the only, yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess the only thing that you could say about the Oilers and their prospects is that, um, is that like yeah maybe they could make it. Uh, they could do something, but. Um, but yeah, I don't know if necessarily that they'll, they'll do well. Um, but yeah, like, as I just mentioned, I think the only trade that they could make is Kelly or Yamamoto, but I'm not sure how much, what teams are, if teams are even interested in, in that type of player. So we'll see. Yeah. I think you need to motivate the players yeah. to find that gear, less so McDavid and Drysdale, because I right. think they probably, their max year and, Yep. This might be the best that you'll ever get yep. from them. Uh, but, you know, like Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins taking strats, that's good. Yep. But having Evander Kane for a full season probably will help them. Uh, Kaylor Yamamoto, if they can get him, Warren Fogle, you know, a couple of, couple of the other guys mm. to really, like, hit their full stride or gear that they haven't reached yet. Mm. Like, I think that's essential for them to... Yep. Just becoming that much more deadly of a team, because and obviously they're goaltending. Like Stuart yeah. Skinner and Jack Campbell, um, both both need to. Well, not only I don't think both need to be Vasilevsky, mm. but they need to be serviceable goaltenders that you can rely on every night. And I just don't think the reliability was near anywhere good enough throughout the course of the year, and that's yeah. got to change. Um. Okay. We now go to Carolina and the um, Florida Panthers. Uh, the, the Remember matchup. when these uh, were division rivals once upon uh, a time? That Believe it or not, uh, when uh, I yep. think this was 
this was uh, before the NHL uh, changed yep. everything up they in 2013-14. They were the Southeast rivals, yeah. Yep. Um, I So I'm looking here at the Carolina Hurricanes and their stats in this series against the Devils. Um, so, uh, like, I knew that Jordan Martinuk uh, really took a step up. Uh, he had 10 points in five games, which is incredible. Um, apparently, he's Connor McDavid. Um, but uh, then you have... Uh, do you have a guess on when, where Sebastian Ajo is on this list of Carolina skaters um, against the Devils in terms of points? Hmm? Do you Sorry, have, okay, I guess I, I, I guess I can sorry, I can uh, ask this uh, in a better way. I feel like I phrased that weirdly. No, 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 no. Repeat that. Repeat. I, it's my fault. That's so not repeat that, please. please. Got it. Got it. Do you okay. have uh, how many points? Do you uh, so Jordan Martinook had the most points um, in this series against the Devils with ten points. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a guess? Ten points. Wow. I know. That's I know. nuts. It is great. Well, I was going to ask you how many points do you think Jordan Martin had, but um, I, I thought you maybe knew that. Um, how many points do you think Sebastian Ajo had? In this, in the series against New Jersey, or throughout yeah. the course of the oh, whole just now? in this series, yeah. Uh, well, there are some really high-scoring games, so I'm going to say eleven. No, no. Uh, he had three points in <laughs> these five games. <laughs> um, yeah, I figured it was an okie doke. Yeah, just kidding. He had way less than Martin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, man, yeah. If, 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 and if that's the case, man, the Florida Panthers have their hands full. Exactly. So, uh, Jesper Fass had, uh, Jesper Fass and Jordan Stahl had six points. Jesper Kotka Niemi had five points. Jacob Slavin had four points. Uh, so did uh, Seth Jarvis and Brett Pesci. Brent Burns had three points. Um, then you have Shane Goss to spare with three assists, uh, no goals. Um, Jack Drury had three points as well as Martin Nikesh. Um, so, and notably, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi had zero points in three uh, three games, uh, considering we were just talking about Edmonton. Um, and then, whereas for Florida... It's a little bit surprising when I was looking at their stats against Toronto. Um, Matthew Kachuk has Matthew Kachuk and Aaron Ekblad had the most points. I guess that's not so surprising, but uh, they both had five points um, in this series. Um, and then uh, yeah, their goaltending uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Apparently he's he's pretty good again. Um, he had. Uh, he had a 1.9 GAA and a save percentage of 9.43. Um, and then, um, let's see here. So Aaron Eckled and Kachuk had five points um, in this series. Carter Verhage had four points, and so did Anthony Duclair. Sam Reinhardt had three points, so did Anton Lindell. Alex Barkov and Sam Bennett had three points. Um, and then in the, the two-point range, you have Nick Cousins, who had the game-winner, um, in Game 5. Then you had Gustav Forsling, Rad- Radko Gudis with two points as well. Um, Brandon Montour, of course, he stopped scoring. He only had one goal in these five games. Um, and, um, yeah. And then uh, and then Josh Mahara also had one point. Um, so, so there's that. Um, in terms of this series, 
Um, you know, it's interesting because I, as I just alluded to in the Toronto obituary, that like I felt like Florida, Florida, like they, like yeah, it was a risky trade to trade Jonathan Huberto, who had a hundred points. He was a big part of the Florida Panthers for so many years, um, and then they trade him. Um, they but they get back. Uh, uh, or they also trade uh, Mackenzie Weger, who was pretty decent defenseman. They also trade their first round pick, um, and they get back a Matthew Kachuk, and that's pretty much it. Um, and it was an overpayment at the time, especially since Jonathan Huberto had a hundred points, and so did Matthew Kachuk. Um, so it's like, oh, um, but at the same time, Matthew Kachuk is incredible. Um, he was, he's like a big fit onto this team. He's pretty much better than Alex Barkov. Um, and, and that's, that's saying something. So, um, yeah, he adds this extra element to it. You also add like Sam Bennett, um, Ryko Gudis, who can, um, who can out physical any team. It's like. Okay. By the way, that Nick Cousins goal, by yep. the way, former Sue Graham, that Nick Cousins goal, you, you know part of the reason why that goal went in? Because Racco Gudis was right in front of Joseph Wall yep. and took away his sight, and he That's couldn't true. see anything. Yep. So, it's like, like last year, the Florida Panthers were the President's Trophy winners, um, and yeah, they still had Racco Gudis, they still had Sam Bennett on that team, but then when you add another guy who can... Uh, who can score goals and also intimidate your opponents like Matthew Kachuk can, it's like, it just adds another element to their their identity. And, like, that's the exact team, that's the exact t- kind of team that wins these these games. It's like, yeah, you have your Connor McDavid's and you have your Austin Matthews, but, yes, they can score goals at will. But they can't really punch you they, they can't really like hit you they can't really get in your face and but Matthew Kachuk can score goals and he also gets in your face um so there's that um I think part of the reason why Sam Bennett has been so in your face is because yeah Matthew Kachuk is such an important player like a True. Brad Marchand today yep. where it's like we need you on the ice not doing these shenanigans anymore yep. um so Sam Bennett you do it Right, right, right. And he's done it very well, to his credit. Yeah, yeah, Sam. I mean, both are, it's basically just two Brad Marchands on the ice, <laughs> basically. Yeah, he caused yeah. problems in Boston yeah. and especially in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. Um, not bad for a guy that in his draft day couldn't do a yeah. pull-up. And I'm not even, like, mentioning, like, Carter Verhage and Alex Barkov and Sam Reinhart, who are also equally very, very good, but they don't really get in your face, but they they just score yeah. goals and quietly. Yeah. Nick Cousins yeah. also causing problems for the Bruins. Yeah, he has six points in 12 games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been good, too. Um, on the Carolina side of things, um, seems like uh, Freddie Anderson um, is pretty good. Uh, yeah, he had... Uh, um, he had, although he was only replaced once in this series um, against the Devils, uh, he did have a 9.18 save percentage and a 2.02 GAA. Um, and then in terms of skating, yeah, I just mentioned how Jordan Martinuk um, had 10 points all of a sudden. I don't think you can expect that again, 
But yeah, like you were saying that, like, yes, Sebastian Ajo, he had three points in this series, but ten points overall in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're Sebastian Ajo and you, you didn't have a great series, it's like, like that just shows to your, you don't have Andrei Sveshnikov, you don't have um, Max Pacioretty. It's like, oh, okay, like, you get guys like Jordan Martinuk, Jordan Stahl, just for fast. A lot of J names, but um, you get you get those guys, and it's like, oh, those guys can make a difference, and, like, just wait until Sebastian Ajo can make a difference, or just wait till Brent Burns can start scoring. Um, although, yeah, he has eight points in 11 games. Um, so, so I am curious to see how this plays out. Um, of course, it's it's funny because like this isn't a great like from an NHL perspective, like like Carolina and Florida, um, they're not hockey markets, but um, but it could be good for the sport just having like these two teams in the playoffs um, at the same time. Um, so I I think if I'm gonna have a prediction. <sighs> I I think I'm like I I feel like I picked against Carolina in three straight series. Um so I'm going to do it again. I'm going to say Florida in 7. Man, Florida's kind of like Carolina where it's like when they go on a run, they go on a run yeah. and they go all the way to the finals. Because last time they made it this far was 96 and they, went, and they went to the cup final. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, watch the NHL. It's just like, hey, we got all these great teams. Look at how good Boston is and look how yeah. Colorado's doing. Hey, Toronto and Tampa, one of them's going to make it. Hey, oh, the Metro's crazy. And we get Florida, Seattle in the final. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that'll be funny. Yeah, that that will definitely get the cap to go up. Um, I think it's probably just shaping him to be a scenario where uh, after years of, oh, Carolina, this is their year. Oh, Vegas, this is their year. Uh, one of them's finally going to do it, and probably they're going to meet in the finals. So I'm going to go Carolina in seven okay. here. I just think Florida's going to run out of gas. Uh, Carolina, I think, is a bit more well-rested, and like I said, if Jordan Martinuk with 10 points in 11 games is your best forward, and Sebastian Ajo's been relatively quiet for the most part of these playoffs, the big players are going to break out in key moments, and yep. this could be the Sebastian Ajo series, I think. So, um, I just think Carolina's depth is eventually going to win the day, and just the fact that, and and I know how good Boston's defense uh was throughout the course of the regular season and I know how good Toronto's defense can be but you're not going to get the prime scoring chances with Pesci and Slavin playing rock solid defense and Freddie Anderson between the pipes they, they even could put Antti Ranta in the net or Coach Cobb in the net and they could probably still do pretty well um, so Again, not discrediting Florida. They're going to make it a very tough series. That's why I did say it was going to take seven games. And I think they are going to pose a handful of problems at times. But Carolina has got last change. Mm -hmm. Mind you, Boston and Toronto did. So being on the road for Florida is nothing new. 
but they have last change for game one and game seven. They have a pretty raucous crowd behind them, similar to the other two fan bases. I feel like the more I pick out Carolina's strengths, the more I'm also pointing out Florida's strengths yeah. because they just seem to um, yeah, they're pretty similar win teams. anywhere. But, uh, again, as a seven-game series, um, eventually the favorite is going to prevail most of the time. It doesn't feel like that's been the case for the majority of these playoffs. Um, I think the favorite's going to prevail in this one. I'm going to say Carolina in seven here. Um, I do think uh, Matthew Kajak is going to continue to dominate in these playoffs, and he's yeah. going to have another a one heck of a series, but I think this time uh, the Panthers are going to come up short. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, and then, uh, so then on the other hand, uh, we'll, we'll get to the Dallas and Seattle matchup in a second. But I do want to show, or I do want to mention how good Vegas was. Um, yeah, Jack Eichel, baby. Yeah, Jack Eichel. This is playoff Jack Eichel right here. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, you know, in the 2015 draft, it was like McDavid and Eichel, and this was their first playoff series against each other. Yeah, Eichel had nine points um, in this series. Uh, he leads the team right now uh, with uh, 14 points overall in this playoffs. Uh, and then you have Mark Stone with uh, 12 points in this uh, in this playoffs. Chandler Stevenson with 10, Jonathan Marcheseau with 10 as well. But I believe, um, let me just go back here. That yeah, in this series, uh, Jonathan Marcheseau had eight points against Edmonton. Ivan Barbashov had six points um, in six games. Riley Smith had five points in six games. He was kind of slow to start. Um, he didn't. I don't think he scored at all um, in the first round. But uh, yeah, he had uh, five points in six games. Mark Stone with four, um, and Nicholas Roy with four as well. Um, so they were doing well. Um, and then in terms of the goaltending, um, Aiden Hill, as you, uh, you mocked me first thinking that Aiden Hill was, was bad. Um, and there was like a, a game where Aiden Hill was actually bad, but he actually had a pretty good I say it was bad. I just had more faith in Stuart Skinner. Yeah. But that turned out to be wrong. Um, yeah, no, you're not wrong. That doesn't mean Aiden Hill or Stuart Skinner are bad. Not only this, but I'm looking here at his, uh, playoff numbers against Edmonton Oilers like even despite that bad game that he played uh, he had a 2.19 GAA and a 9.34 save percentage against Edmonton in this series that's pretty fucking good it's like oh okay he's he's pretty good um yeah Lauren Persuade also played but he um he wasn't that good yeah Um, he is he is injured right now and they have not turned to Jonathan Quick once in these playoffs by the way yep yep uh, and then uh, we'll turn to uh, we'll get back to Vegas in a second, but um, I do want to talk about Seattle and Dallas. Um, this has been an interesting series because it feels like one game Dallas is dominating. And you're like, okay, they're going to the next round, and then the next game Seattle starts to dominate, and you're like, oh, Seattle's gonna <laughs> do well. And um, or is going to win the series. So it's it's been evenly matched pretty much, which is kind of surprising because it's like, of course, like no one expected Seattle to even make it this far. Um, but uh, you have to give credit when credit's due. 
Um, and Seattle has been very, very good uh, during this this uh, playoffs, um, as you alluded to last year, uh, or you know, last episode, I should say, um, where you were saying how um, Dallas um, or like anyone on Seattle can score, um, and and that's that's been true for Seattle. Hold on, I'm just pulling up the numbers. Yeah, my, my, my whole thing on the Seattle thing is just like they the Dallas Stars players seem yeah. to great take great pride in shutting people down, like Miro Heiskin yeah. and Nessa Lundell, the whole bunch. And particular top players. But then you look at Seattle's roster and it's just like, okay, well, who's their top player? Yeah. It could be Jordan Eberle one night, it could be Oliver Bjorkstrand the next night, it could be Jarek McCann, who, hey, he's back in the lineup and starting to score again. Vince Dunn's been relatively quiet, but we yeah. know what he's done in the regular season as well. Yanni Gord, Jordan Eberle, they've yeah. had some big nights in these playoffs too. So, And look at Ily Tolvanen. Ily yeah. Tolvanen game was game six. He had like three points within the first period and a half. Yeah. So... Like there was a time where he was claimed off waivers by the Kraken. Yeah. So everyone, uh, everyone is doing remarkable things on that team. Yep, yep. Uh, twelve. So I just counted twelve. Twelve players in this series have scored goals uh, for this for the Seattle Krakens against the Dallas Stars. Insane. Yeah. Probably most of that was five on five as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can see that number here. Um, Five goals for Jordan Eberle this series. That's pretty crazy. Yanni Gord with yep. three goals, uh, six points. Uh, Eberle has eight points, by the way. Um, Vince Dunn with six points. He hasn't scored a goal, yep. though. See, there you go. Um, Matty Beneers with six points as well. Ely Tolvanen, as you alluded to, I was also going to highlight him, but five points. Jaden Schwartz with five points. Justin Schultz yep. with five points. Ty Carte, our favorite player, four points. Uh, two goals, two assists. Um, Oliver Bjorkstrand with three points. So does Alex Wenberg. Um, and then we get into, like... Like, it's interesting, too, because when you're thinking, like... When you think of Seattle Kraken and, like, you, you ask, like, who is their best player? Who is the guy that can kill you? It's like... Yeah, they don't really have that guy. But I was just thinking, like, uh, Jeremy they also can't... have Andre Burakovsky, who, by yeah. the way, still hasn't appeared in a playoff game this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, fair point. He's been uh, out since February. Yeah, yeah, good point um, on that. But uh, but you're like, like I I would think like, oh, Jared McCann, yeah, he's pretty good. I would say he's probably their best player. He has two points in this series. Although, granted, he's only played in three games. I guess he might be injured, but. Uh, yeah, he was injured for a bit. Yeah, but, yeah. but uh, but still, it's just like, oh, he has two points, and you're expecting him to be like, like, yeah, he, he might not be your like a superstar, but uh, he's still a pretty good player. And you're like, oh, two points in three games, okay. But yeah, Seattle is somehow winning. What's funny for I guess this is just more faulty for Dallas uh, for um, for ESPN because what I've been doing. In, in terms of finding these stats and in terms of the series is I was, uh, I just went on ESPN, I went to their, the stats page for each team and then they have this like splits um, and you can say like uh, who scored against which team um, but they don't have the Seattle Kraken so I can't even see Dallas Stars 
um, this series and their points they got this series. I'm sure I can find it on NHL.com. But um, league just scored on the Dallas Stars. What? They took they, the league just scored on the Dallas Stars instead of the Seattle Kraken. It's like who are they playing against? No, no, it's it's more uh, against the Kraken. Yeah, it's like uh, they, oh they oh have, wow okay they don't have oh. the like I I can't find um the like I've just been going through splits and I can't because they they say like oh who, like um like I can find like the Dallas Stars. In their first series against um, the Minnesota Wild, but uh, oh, okay. but I can't find stats against the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> become the old Minnesota North Stars. Then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I yeah I, I can't find that those stats yet, but I do know that Rupe Hintz leads the team um, in the playoffs for the for the Stars um, mm-hmm. with eighteen points. Jason Robertson with 12 points. Max Domi with 11 points. Um, yeah, Steve told you Max Domi would be a secret weapon for them. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, Joe Pavelski with 10 points in seven games. So that's pretty good. Um, Jamie Benn with 10 points. Uh, Miro Heiskin in with like a broken like nose as well for part of the game. He, had, he has nine assists in 12 games. Uh, Tyler Sagan with nine points. Um, in 12 games, he's had his moments. Um, other guys of note, uh, Mason Marchment with six points. Uh, Thomas Harley, he's he's been making some noise. Six points. Yeah, he, only yeah. averaging 15.54 a game as well. That's yep. very low for a defenseman, and he's half yep. a point a game. Yeah, he had some he has some draft pedigree as well, so he's he's been good. Yeah, uh, and none of those on the power play, by the way, those yep. are all even strength too. Wyatt Johnston with uh, five points, um, yeah. and yeah, uh, I think that's all of note. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I it's like uh, I feel like in terms of the goaltending situation. Um, so Jake Ottinger with a two point eight nine GAA and a save percentage of nine hundred, um, not great. But what's interesting? Yeah, he's been pulled. He's been pulled twice in the Seattle series yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just getting to. I feel like that's what this like this playoffs is known for. Is because I feel like there has like the only team that hasn't pulled their goalie has been Seattle. Um, and, <laughs> Which is funny because their tandem is Grubauer and Jones. Right. Exactly. So it's like, oh wait, no. I guess. Oh, I, I'm seeing here that Martin Jones. He he has played. Martin Jones has played, but only for. Uh. For one game and eighteen minutes at that, so. Um, okay. But but still, like I guess that goes more to my point that like this is the year where like whenever your team is struggling in the playoffs, you just go to your backup goalie, um, and that, I mean that's that alludes more to what what has been going on in the regular season where more and more like teams have like two back two goalies um, instead of just one. Um, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something where it's like oh Jake Ottinger, um, but like J- even still like Jake Ottinger was known as that good goalie um, and um, you know like as the best goalie uh, around uh, like you know so still in the playoffs I should say, um, and uh, yeah he hasn't necessarily been great um, in these playoffs so. 
We'll see. Um, in terms of predictions for Game Seven, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Who we think like if it's Seattle against Vegas, who do we who think is going to win that series? And then if it's Dallas Vegas, who do we think is going to win that? But I think um, in terms of who's going to win Game Seven, um, I don't know. I this is tough for me. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I should say Dallas, but then a part of me is thinking like. I don't know. There's something about this Seattle Kraken team that they just find ways to win. Um, so I, I'm thinking Seattle is gonna gonna win Game Seven. Screw it. Let's let's just say Seattle's gonna win this <laughs> this Game Seven. See the way that the Seattle Kraken have been picking apart Jake Under too. They've just been yeah. going to the net and sniping. <laughs> and there have been yeah. a lot of goals as well where Jake Ettinger is like normal game. He probably stops that. Yep. And uh, I think this is probably the most human that he's looked all year. And I know he, the big rhetoric around Jake Gottinger is whenever he's lost, close or big, he's bounced back in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see either scenario playing out, but I'm actually going to go with Seattle too. Um, okay. Back in 2020, when the Stars and Avalanche were squaring off, Philip Grubauer wasn't there Yep. And due to injury. And I think... A part of him is just like, I want to beat this team. I want to be out there uh, and be a part of the winning formula. I think it's going to be another 2-1 to one game like the Colorado Game 7 was. Okay. Uh, but I think I think Grubauer is going to play flawless hockey. Um, the Seattle defense is going to tighten it up. And uh, it, it's going to be a tight game, but I think Dallas comes up short this time. Yep. Um, but I can I can easily see Dallas going off and just obliterating yeah. the Kraken. So. Well, they were your Stanley I, Cup I'm, pick. I'm just watching as a fan with normal expectations. I don't know who's going to win. Yeah, yeah. But I'm no, going to say Seattle. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because I kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm going to root for either team um, in the next round anyways, but um, it would be, yeah, it's like... Uh, they're both fun teams to to watch, so this has been a fun series yeah. to watch for sure. You're either going to get a rematch of the 2020 Western Conference Finals in the bubble, mm-hmm. or you're going to get a, a, a head-to-head playoff matchup between the last two expansion teams, and one of them goes to the finals. Yep. So uh, I don't think either are really going to like uh, back up the brain struck to the NHL's front office, but I mean... Yep. Uh, there are going to be some storylines for each series either way. So. For sure. I, um, yeah, I kind of even won a Seattle-Vegas uh, final uh, just for that, like, the fact that you have, like, two Southern teams in the Eastern Conference and then you have two expansion teams <laughs> in the Western Conference. They're like, also division rivals yeah. to Vegas and Seattle. Yeah. At this point, whenever like my Bruins are out, I just root for chaos. So I feel like the most chaotic um, matchup would be if Seattle wins, and uh, and then we get like, uh, well, I guess Carolina did win a Stanley Cup once, but I was gonna say that you have four teams that have never won a Stanley Cup. But it would be four- hilarious if it, if if Vegas's pursuit for a Stanley yeah. Cup is just like. Oh, we're back in the conference finals. Who's going to stop us now? What do you mean the latest expansion team knocked us out? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, it's interesting, too, because, like, Seattle hasn't, like, Seattle built their team 
and in the expansion draft, they they were different than Vegas um, in terms of like their strategy and things like that. And it's just and NHL GMs yeah. were cautious as to you know yeah. which players were made available because they were afraid of another Vegas happening. And yep. it turns out, yeah, there's a potential for that to happen again. Um, yep. And then, um, but like the fact that like Vegas went out and they traded their prospects and got Mark Stone, they got Jack Eichel, they got Max Pacioretty. Of course, he's no longer on their team now. But um, and then like you know they get Robin Leonard, they they go out and get like Bruce Cassidy. This is just, it's just what they do is they get like these top guys. Um, and Seattle, like yeah, Grubauer is a nice get for them, and um, Burakovsky, as you mentioned, is a nice get for them as well. But they didn't really do anything else. <laughs> like they didn't get a superstar like Jack Eichel or Mark Stone, um, and that's yeah. just not how they built their team. But like, and that's fine. But um, they're still a pretty good team. It's just it's just funny. Um, so if it's Vegas, Seattle, who do you have? If it's Vegas, Seattle, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Vegas in seven. Um, I think both teams are gonna have their way with each other, and we're gonna get some classic battles. Yep. But um, I think the experience of Vegas. I mean, you have Mark Stone, you have Alex Petrangelo. You got a lot of leadership on that team. You got, you know, I'm sure a very highly motivated Jack Eichel desperate to make the finals mm-hmm. um and i think bruce cassidy his ability to adapt to all situations like this is this is why i was i was praising vegas for hiring bruce cassidy is because he is a good coach at adapting and making the most of what he has the moment in time and losing laurent brossois entry knowing you don't have robin leonard knowing that jonathan quick is struggling like Going to Aiden Hill in that situation and he puts up those type of numbers, that's exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to Bruce Cassidy is a great coach. I think um, coaching is going to matter in this series and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to come up uh, with the victory in that. It'll take seven, but I think Vegas wins if they take Seattle. Yeah, I think so too. I think Vegas will win, but in seven. Um, Yeah. I, I like. I guess it won't. Sh- like, it, it's not going to shock me anymore because I keep on doubting Seattle throughout this playoff series. Uh, so it wouldn't shock me if Seattle figures out it figures it out and they start to win. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be Vegas in seven. Um, if it's Dallas in Vegas, that's a little bit closer because I think Dallas does yep. have what it takes. Which is funny because I'm not yep. picking Dallas to win in Game Seven. But I think I'm going to pick yep. Dallas to beat Vegas. <laughs> so I think uh, Dallas yeah. over Vegas. It will take seven games, but yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, but I, I think it's Dallas in seven if it's if it's that. But um, yeah, but it's it, it, which is kind of funny because it's like I don't think Dallas is going to win tonight. But if they do, they're going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> but yeah. um, which is I guess that's. You, I get the sense that you feel the same way. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a hundred percent taking Dallas. Um, yep. Like they have Jamie Ben and yep. Tyler Sagan and Joe Pavelski, who's the ultimate clutch performer. Right. I think of our generation as well. 
Uh, and Jake Ettinger is a, turning yeah. into a big money goalie as well. So, yeah, uh, I, I think Dallas would have what it takes in that situation. I just think Seattle's inexperienced this deep into the playoffs. You know, they're they're playing with house money at the moment, yep. and they're enjoying life in the postseason. They're living it up. But at some point, the joyride's going to end. And, uh, yeah, it'll probably be in the conference finals if they get there. They'll make it close, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, but... I think they'll come up short there, but that Vegas's fate definitely changes a little bit if they face Dallas. Um, they have all the pieces. Yep. They have a shutdown defense, and as we've seen with their offense, they have just as much offensive depth as Vegas does. Mm. And uh, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny though? Wouldn't it be funny if Vegas' season ends at the hands of their former coach? Oh yeah. They- that's just true. recently fired. Yeah, forgot about that. Although Bruce Cassidy, he's a good coach. I wouldn't count him out. Um, yeah, I wouldn't either. But, uh, yeah. you know, just just based on the way the hockey gods have smiled upon Vegas in the jaws of defeat, yeah. um, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they're just like, hey, your season is out thanks to your former coach. Have a nice day. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, it is funny how we're, like, both me and you should like the – Vegas Golden Knights. They have Bruce Cassidy. They have Mark Stone. But uh, they have good uniforms, like they have, Seattle. They have good uniforms. I like they them. Have okay uniforms. But yeah, it's but it's just it's just funny how like I I don't know I don't really I'm not really rooting for the Golden Knights, but um, yeah, they've done too much winning. This is their fourth yeah. conference finals in like six or seven years. Yeah, they they they've had too much fun. Yeah, I think so. But it's like I could say the same thing about like Seattle now that they're good. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, they've been around for yeah. two years and haven't well, really had a chance to develop any reason to dislike True, them, so. but I, I don't feel like Seattle's annoying. It's like as Vegas is. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's the reason. It's just like, hey, we, you know, yeah. this is great what Seattle's doing. It's just like. Oh, but wait, these fans don't know what it's really like to suffer and to, like, yeah, yearn for exactly. a championship, and a championship's going to be handed to their doorstep. Right, right. So right. all of a sudden, they hate them now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, for Vegas, it's like, yeah, they've only been in the league for five years now, but, like, like they... But they went to the finals of their first try as well. They did, and then they lost in a horrific fashion the following year to uh, the Sharks. So it's yeah. like... It's yeah, like they have okay. some, they have some misery in their belt. Um, they also, they, they also have, um, they also gave up on Nick Suzuki too soon. Uh, so it's like, and then Nick Suzuki beat them. Yeah, and then Nick Suzuki beat them. So it's like, oh, okay, they're like, you know, they they're they're like an NHL team. Whereas Seattle, it's like, yeah, they they weren't good last year. But uh, they haven't had too yeah, many tr- they weren't, trials. They were good. They got Matty Benier's second overall, yeah. and that's basically yep. the end of that. Well, actually, that, that, will, that will be kind of cool, though. It's like either Jack Eichel or Matty Benier's, the second overall American, will be in the Stanley Cup Finals. So that will be pretty cool. But yeah, true. Um, and then if Dallas goes far, it's like Jason Robertson, Joe Pavelski, both American. Jake, Jake Ettinger. Yep. Um, yep. So, a lot of J names. Um, anyways. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of Americans. There's also Jack. Yeah. Jack, yeah. No, that's true too. 
Um, yeah, Eichel and Hughes should uh, somehow, like, that, that's the other Man, thing. Man, that, yeah. that would be a good final series, to be fair. <laughs> if we had Vegas and New Jersey... That, yeah, but New Jersey's fun. not in the, the playoffs anymore. But, it yeah. could happen next year, though. It could happen, it could happen next, next year. year. But, yeah, they, like, Connor and Jack, one of those four needs to change their names. Um, anyways, <laughs> on that name, on, the, on that name, on that note, uh, we'll, um, you can follow us on Twitter, iTunes. Um, Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. Or, yeah, Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Our SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast at Lace Them Up. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 365 of the Lace Them Up podcast. <laughs>